it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello, I'm Vaughan Benison. Welcome to this week's program. For blind and vision impaired people, discrimination is something that we deal with on quite a regular basis. Sometimes it can strike us completely unaware, and what do we do about it? This week we speak with Vanessa Ransley. Vanessa recently went to a bar in South Australia and was refused service. Basically what happened was I asked for, you know, a cocktail and the uh, bartender in question said, you know, he asked if I was accompanied by a carer and I just did a bit of a double take. I couldn't believe that he was asking me this. It's <laughs> like, no, um, I don't. I'm a, I'm a grown adult, you know. And he said, oh, well, I can't give you a, um, an alcoholic drink then, you know, as you will be a safety risk. Basically, he said that um, he'd had a person who had had a little bit too much to drink on New Year's Eve and had fallen over and all of that. And my response was, and how exactly does that relate to me? And of course, that presupposes that that blind or vision impaired person is the only person in that bar who has ever fallen over. I find that somewhat difficult to believe. What happened when you spoke to hotel management about it? Well, the Sunday manager was, I don't think he was very confident. He knew that I was right, but he he wasn't entirely sure how to um, deal with the other bar person. And so I tried to, you know, resolve it. But the guy was just not willing to admit that uh, I should be allowed to have a drink by myself. At this stage, I felt like I'd I'd had enough and that I didn't really want to drink in that place anyway, so I I left. You don't expect to be refused service simply for the fact that uh, that you're blind or vision impaired or have any other form of disability. And I would have expected that uh, in a place like the Stanford Grand in Adelaide that uh, you could have expected um, a much better class of treatment. Yes, I thought that uh, the hotel being in such a a good location and, uh, you know, a very popular hotel, that it, you know, it it wouldn't be a problem. But, uh, yeah, it it was interesting. I mean, the the manager the next morning, who was a different person, was very apologetic and, um, you know, assured me that this, this bar person would be receiving some training. And, you know, he offered me... And, and a couple of friends, a, a free drink, which was, was a, you know, a nice gesture. You were there as part of a conference, and my understanding is that the uh, conference was at the hotel. What about the people around you? Was there support from the people who were running the conference and the people with whom you were interacting throughout that time? Oh, yeah. It, uh, the, the people at the, uh, the conference were excellent, and many of the people at the conference I knew and uh, on my you know Facebook feed, so they they had seen what had happened and were quite incensed and saying which bar and oh we're not going there, <laughs> um, so that that was nice that felt a bit good you know they 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 were supporting me, um, but yeah I I mean the uh, conveners of the conference made made it very well known to the hotel how dissatisfied they were. Mm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether the next conference is held at the same uh, at the same venue and whether other people continue to hold their conferences there. Are you aware of any negative implications for the hotel at this point? No, I I don't think so. I mean, it didn't go well for them um, 
the reviews I, I wrote, you know, received a, a bit of attention. You know, I got quite a few um, sort of likes for those. And, uh, yeah, it, it's I, I don't think it's going to do them any good, but at the same time, I, I, I think they will survive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and what are your next steps, do you think? Look, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's done. I um, I have made a fuss. <laughs> they did apologise, and they they did give me and a couple of friends some you know cocktails. So, I mean, I might actually I might follow up and I'll ring them and just see if this person has had some training. But I mean, if he hasn't, it's not like I can really do anything. So. Are you satisfied with the response you got from the hotel? Oh, look, I think, um, yeah, they they could have comped me my room, but, uh, um, but the you know, the, the uh, manager was very much, oh, well, we've given you free drinks now. You'll write us a really good review, won't you? And I was like, uh, no, no, I don't think 60 bucks worth of drinks is going to erase that from my memory. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a basic human right mm. to be able to go and uh, access a what is ostensibly a, a public service or a public property. Yeah. And uh, if you're doing business and you're doing business to the public, then you have no right to refuse someone with a disability on the basis of that disability. Yeah, I think it would be reasonable to expect a little bit more. Mm. Vanessa, thanks for joining us on the program. And I just hope that this never happens to you again. But congratulations on drawing attention to it, because this sort of thing cannot continue. Right. It's absolutely inappropriate. No, that's why I... I did this I, I was half inclined to just say oh look, uh, you know just just forget about it but I thought oh what if that happened to somebody who who wasn't me and who who was perhaps a little bit less assertive and confident it could really tip them over the edge so I thought I really had a duty joining me on the program now is Graham Innes former disability discrimination commissioner Graham how common is this problem well I think the thing that is common is people making limiting and negative assumptions about people with disabilities. And, and I experience that every day, frankly, or every time I'm out and about um, in the world. Uh, I think what is uncommon is when a service person does that and then implements their view of people with disabilities into, their, into the service they're delivering. And that's what's happened here with um, Vanessa. You know, someone has made a judgment that blind people aren't capable of um, enjoying a drink on their own. Um, and I can think of hundreds of people who, uh, you know, have proved him wrong and then applied that to his work as a um, provider of alcohol. And he probably relied on his um, responsible service of alcohol policy and made an incorrect assumption that um, that that means he can limit the um, uh, the interactions of people with disabilities uh, even without assessing their um, you know whether they're a sober enough person to have a have a drink. What are some of the things that people need to think about when they encounter a situation like this? Keeping calm is always uh, important because your immediate re reaction uh, would be, uh, I think. Uh, incredible you know, surprise uh, at being treated like this. Um, thinking about speaking clearly and carefully um, and asserting uh, your rights and um, 
And I think the key thing to always bear in mind is that if a front of house or a service person refuses you in this way, one of the first things you do is ask to speak to their to their manager. And I know Vanessa did that, and um, uh, and he claimed that he was the manager, but he was only the manager of the bar, uh, and she then subsequently spoke to the to the hotel manager. And I think that was a that was a good approach. Um, the other thing that um, uh, Jonathan Mosen does is that uh, he has an Apple Watch and he's got just press record on his watch and immediately he gets into a situation like this he records the conversation um, and I actually I haven't done it myself yet but I, I have put that app on my Apple Watch um, and I think it's, it's not a bad thing to do because then you've actually got a record of exactly what was said um, because often when um, uh, when these things occur, people will um, go back to, well, it's only your word against theirs. So, um, you know, that, that makes it harder for you to prove. So having that proof um, is um, uh, is not a bad idea. And provided you're not doing it over a carriage service, uh, it's not unlawful to record a conversation like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, those are, the, those are the things that I would uh, um, encourage people to think about. Um, but it is hard, Vaughan. I know that um, many of us get used to it with guide dogs uh, and um, being refused access to a taxi or an Uber. But even when it occurs, it sort of catches you out of the blue because you're just expecting to get on with your normal everyday life. And, and, and when those sorts of things happen, um, it does set you back a bit. The thing that I find really interesting, and I wonder whether this occurs to you and, and perhaps what you might thing to do about it is that every time it happens it feels worse Mm. well that's that's because it triggers past experiences and absolutely i've had that feeling and um i have that i'm now to the extent triggered um every time i walk into an airport when i know i have to go through um, airport security i am triggered and uh and so i just feel sick in the stomach uh and uh tense and sort of hyper alert, um, being ready to have to deal with situations. And I feel that way until I get through the scanning process. And, and I can visibly feel myself relaxing after that. So I, I think that's absolutely a phenomena uh, and, um, uh, and, and occurs to, to many people with disabilities or people who are blind or vision impaired. Vanessa did follow up with the hotel manager and uh, was, mm. was given some cocktails for her and a couple of friends uh, later on down the track I guess as a as an apology what can people do if they're not satisfied with the outcome of discussions with the manager Vanessa could lodge a complaint with the Equal Opportunity Commission in South Australia um, or she could lodge a complaint with the uh, federal uh, the Australian Human Rights uh, Commission Um, and um, either of those courses either of those organizations would cover the circumstances that uh, that she explained um, and in both cases uh, what happens is that there's an attempt at resolution by conciliation those attempts are successful about 50% of the time so you've got a one in two chance of resolving the problem in that way um, if the problem is not resolved by conciliation uh, then your next step is to um, take the matter to uh, to court uh, either the Equal Opportunity Tribunal in South Australia um, or uh, or the uh, federal court in for the 
Human Rights Commission, the Australian Human Rights Commission. The Equal Opportunity Commission in South Australia, as with most um, state systems, is a no-cost jurisdiction. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't spend money. It just means that you won't have the risk of um, of costs being awarded against you. Um, but um, at, at the federal level, that risk still exists, although there is some talk of um, changing that, that, so that, it, that so that it also becomes a no-cost jurisdiction. Um, so those are the courses of action that, uh, that people can take. And, you know, I always encourage people to, um, to try conciliation. Um, I think Vanessa could have got a much uh, better settlement than she has currently had. Um, and complaint and conciliation is not ruled out for her, but it might be something that she chooses to do at this point. But um, there's no requirement if the conciliation is not successful to go any further and have the risk of court um, processes and costs. So, um, you know, why not take the first step? And then if you choose not to take the second, that's fine. I guess one of the answers to that question could be depending on how you feel and how successful and strong you feel as an advocate. And there are people who can help you with that process if you're not confident to do it by yourself, aren't there? There definitely are. And lack of confidence in taking on that pro process is perfectly valid. Um, you know, um, it, it, there's nothing wrong with um, not going ahead with the process. Um, and, and feeling that you can't do it. But there are a lot of people who can help. Uh, Blind Citizens Australia has a good advocacy team who will uh, support you in that sort of situation. Uh, and there are also many um, uh, legal centres around the country, uh, community legal centres, um, who will assist with that sort of uh, effort. So there are lots of people uh, that can help um, in that situation, yes. And I'd like to hear from you. I want to hear your discrimination story. Send it to me by email new.horizons at bca.org.au. New.horizons at bca.org.au. Either a brief recording or you can write it down and we can read it on the program. And over the coming weeks, we might do a deep dive into some advocacy strategies that have worked well for people who are blind or vision impaired in the past. If you'd like to contact Blind Citizens Australia, 1-800-033-660 is the number. 1-800-033-660. Or you can email bca at bca.org.au. .org.au bca at bca.org.au I'll talk to you next week We'll achieve the realisation of our dreams of our dreams